Well, I could just listen to that all morning. Wasn't well, yeah. that lovely? What a pleasant way nice to start way. the morning, and, and it is a gentle reminder that we only have a, a few days left until Christmas. Uh, we welcome you in on this uh, 13th day of December 2023. It is a lucky uh, Wednesday as we get over the hump. Uh, some big things being announced in terms of uh, uh, big economic development deals that are coming up in the next few days, both in Corktown and also uh, there near the uh, the Fox Theater uh, with the Center for Innovation. Uh, but we were gonna, everybody's going to be watching the Fed today. The Fed's going to meet. Fed's going to. And they're not going to really do anything but we're going to be sitting here hanging on every word and parsing I've never been every so word. Interested. I know, I, right? I, I know because I mean we're all sick to death of these high interest rates. Uh, listen, gas prices were down eight point nine percent. The CPI report came out yesterday. That's great. But you know, shelter, I mean, rents and and mortgage payments, they were up six percent in November. That's why people are frustrated. Mm-hmm. For the first time, food was actually lower than the overall, but it was still up 2.9%. Folks are feeling that. Um, And uh, it's not unrelated that the Treasury is borrowing $6 billion per day. The new deficit projection numbers are in, and we're going to have a $381 billion deficit in the first two months of the fiscal year. It's all joined together. Um, And again, the, the markets are trending up. They're in the green for the moment. But if Jay Powell so much as hiccups and suggests that these higher interest rates are going to go a month longer, you're going to see them turn south. Oh, yeah. They will be hanging on every word. So we will read the tea leaves. We will look for smoke signals (laughs) and all of that. And I'm sure somebody will say that I was just politically incorrect, but we'll get to that later. Uh, But anyway, we're we're going to be watching that. In the meantime, boy, a lot of really conflicting signals coming out of the Middle East and also between the Biden administration and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah, Guy. Well, the 193-member U.N. General Assembly passed a resolution calling for a ceasefire, and 153 countries voted in favor of that, with 23 abstaining. So the resolution isn't binding, but it carries political weight and reflects a global view on the war. And President Biden is saying to Israel, you're losing support. And I think those numbers show that. And a lot of Israeli supporters on Capitol Hill, most of them Republicans, really bash the president for saying that. But then the U.N. comes out and by a three quarters vote says exactly that. Exactly. I mean, um, you know, here's the other part. The Wall Street Journal this morning with an exclusive report that they have already begun flooding some of these Hamas tunnels. They believe that in Gaza City, that Hamas is on its last legs. That's good news. I mean, the quicker that they resolve this and get it done, then you can have a ceasefire. A ceasefire, a victory, is a ceasefire. Yeah, to root out Hamas was the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they don't want to send soldiers into the tunnels. They'll send drones or dogs or whatever. This is another way to root out Hamas in those tunnels. But the families of the hostages are saying, hold on a second. We don't know where they are. They are being apparently very strategic in which tunnels they flood. But now that word is out that they're doing this. Right. You know, if you've got munitions that you want to save and Hamas does. You're going to put the hostages there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it could take weeks to flood these tunnels. And so you could move around in that time. And Egypt did this um, a few years ago because they had a smuggling problem, a border problem. And, and so they began to flood tunnels. Well, then uh, some of their farmers were screaming bloody murder because they said, our wells are now pumping salt water. Right. Quit 
dumping the sea in underground. And Gaza's <laughs> already in a humanitarian crisis. They are looking for water as it is. Mm-hmm. And if fresh water is destroyed, that's another problem. So uh, uh, lots of concerns there. Uh, a lot of uh, climate uh, folks patting themselves on the back this morning. COP28, the climate summit in, uh, in Dubai, has ended with a deal to transition away from fossil fuels. They're making a big deal out of this. 200 countries voting on it to call for this uh, to be net zero by 2050. It, it's borderline meaningless. They're not calling for a phase out. They're calling for a transition. So they aren't making the hard and fast goal that every climate activist wanted. Here's the other part. China is building two coal plants every week. And they're allowed to do this under the Paris Accord. So until you confront that, get off our backs. That's right. <laughs> um, it's, it's wonderful to have all these lofty goals. And you can go ahead and make it sound like that you are, are, are doing this. But you, have a, you allowed uh, China to do this. And I, I think it's 300 gigawatts of power that they will add that's coal-fueled. And they did it in 2022, 2023. And nobody is getting too upset about it. So... Uh, that's going to be a, another thing that gets a lot of attention today. I'm not sure how, how relevant it is. We've been watching a very important case develop, Lloyd, and I know you've got something on that. Yeah, the Detroit Police Department, they have submitted a warrant request to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office in connection with the murder investigation of Samantha Wall. The Prosecutor's Office has confirmed the warrant has been requested in the case, and they are reviewing it, but they are not uh, saying anything else until that review is completed. Wall uh, was found dead outside of her home the morning of October 21st in Detroit's Lafayette Park neighborhood. Police say she was stabbed. A suspect was taken into custody November 8th, but then released two days later. A new person of interest was taken into custody just this past Sunday. Detroit police releasing a statement saying, while this is a very promising step in the investigation, the process of moving from the warrant submission to prosecution can be very involved. We continue to ask for the community's patience in this matter while we proceed with the important work ahead. And, Guy, as you know, uh, submitting a warrant to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office is one thing. Um, getting it signed off on is a, is another thing because Kim Worthy's office, they're very particular about what's in that warrant and whether they can yeah. convict a person once that person has, uh, once that warrant has been uh, brought in. So um, if it is you know, signed off on, we should hear more about who this person is either today or tomorrow. So George Hunter doing some interesting reporting on that in the Detroit News. But what caught my eye wasn't just that they had enough they think to take it to Ms. Worthy. It was the fact that they have been saying this person poses no threat to the community. How could they say that with such confidence? They've been on his back and surveilling him Mm -hmm. for how many weeks now? So they've, you know, uh, when Chief White said that, it was because they They were watching his every move. Yeah. And that's uh, an interesting wrinkle uh, to this story. I think it's scary that she didn't know this person. Any some comfort in knowing that maybe it was just some sort of uh, dispute between two people who knew each other. Exactly. The fact that she was a young woman living downtown, did not know her attacker, if this happens to be the actual person, Person, is scary. Yeah, it's the less likely scenario, but it's the it's the most frightening. Yeah, is that you can lose your life in your home to someone, a random individual, random individual, yeah, uh, coming in. Al Michaels, truly, I mean, we'll love Al till forever, forever. for the for the call on the miracle on ice. Uh, he has become one of our premier sportscasters, but he will not be part of the NFL playoff picture. 
Yeah, he's reportedly off NBC's NFL postseason coverage with the playoffs a few weeks away. Um, Instead, we're going to have Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth. Some other teams are going to be Catherine Tappan, Noah Eagle, some names you know, but not Al Michaels. And he seemingly was surprised at that when people talked to him. NBC Sports Vice President Greg Hughes confirmed the news to the New York Post. And you guys remember when Michaels and Tony Dungy sort of weren't that excited last year during one of the playoffs. People talked about it. And there's talk that that's happened on Thursday night games that he calls that he doesn't seem as excited. Perhaps that's the reason, but you know, he is a legend. He is a legend. You don't ever find it, but I will tell you the other thing is what it says is just how strongly the network feels about the job that Mike Tirico and I, I will plead guilty to being a homer and totally biased in Mike's favor because he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> he is. Lives a few miles from here. Uh, and and Chris Collinsworth. And by the way, did anybody hear about what, Tony Romo apparently kind of just was really bad on Sunday. I, I mean. He's usually, he'll tell you the play that's about to come. I know. So he's, his bar normally, was very high. Yeah. But I, apparently there were a lot of folks talking on social media that Jim Nance was left to clean up a lot of messes for Tony Uh uh, on Sunday, don't know uh, what's well, you up. You know what? There. We all have off days. I think Tony Romo's fantastic. Not here, nobody. <laughs> we're always on. Company. We're always on. Oh no! Yes, and we should say thank goodness you brought in a smaller Kleenex box this morning, and you're feeling. Do I sound better? You sound I feel so like much. I sound, you sound better. Great. You do. Was that I, trip to Mount Pleasant? Drinking the waters of Mount Pleasant. I'll tell you what, it was not the uh, slot machine. They were say, not uh, kind. <laughs> when we come back, we know that Harvard yesterday uh, backed their president, Claudine Gay, who, uh, like the three other two presidents before Congressional Committee, really showed that how tone deaf they were when it came to uh, charges of genocide and anti-Semitism speech on campus. But were they technically right? And what does the leading free speech group feel about what's happening today on campuses? We will discuss that next on JR Morning. The UPenn president has resigned. The Harvard president is under fire uh, defending. And they did it because they were defending their free speech policies at their respective universities. Policies that are so pathetic that the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression uh ranked Harvard 248th out of 248. Penn was 247. And yet in the defense of their, these apparently sad and and, uh, ineffective free speech guidelines, they totally ignored the threat of anti-Semitism and offended so many people with their tone deafness. But there is a question here about, as we examine free speech on campus, how you do it well, so that you're making sure that Jewish or Muslim students feel safe, uh, but but also allow free speech and criticism. Uh, Aaron Terra is director of that very group that I referenced, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. We first met them when they were defending uh, conservatives who were being harassed and in some cases threatened for appearing on campus. Uh, good to have you with us, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me on. What did you think? I mean, when these uh, university presidents who y- you have justifiably criticized their their free speech policies kind of were holier than thou in front of this congressional committee. Yeah, they didn't do a great job. Uh, the Penn and Harvard presidents in particular gave answers that were legally correct and aligned.
aligned with free speech principles, speech, even abstract advocacy of violence is protected uh, unless it falls into a narrow exception like true threats or incitement to immediate violence. So it was good that the president seemed to recognize that, although they didn't do a particularly persuasive or compelling job of explaining why it's important to protect that speech. Uh, and then I think a lot of people were rightly asking, where was that restraint the past decade? Yes. The institutions have a history of censoring allegedly offensive speech that many would consider pretty tame by comparison. So people are right to call out the hypocrisy and double standards and to be skeptical that these institutions are, are going to truly be committed to free speech going forward. Um, Aaron, Claudine Gay has apologized, and 700 now Harvard faculty members signed a letter saying she shouldn't be fired over this. Is there a path forward where she could say, look, I, I made a mistake and let's change our policies? Yeah, I think Claudine Gay, uh, in her defense, has only been president since July. So I don't think you can necessarily hold her responsible for all the mistakes Harvard has made in the past, although she was also previously a dean at Harvard, uh, who made some questionable decisions on speech. So I think that she's rightly under intense scrutiny right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is, I think this is a golden opportunity for gay and other presidents to return to first principles and to reestablish their institutions as respected centers of learning and free thought and free inquiry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think she's rightly on a short leash right now. And, and Aaron, uh, how different is this when you talk about free speech versus the student code of conduct? Because that was brought up a lot as well. Yeah, so the these um, Penn and, and Harvard and MIT are private institutions, so they do have the right to decide what their speech policies are going to be. Um, however, uh, all of them and many other private institutions choose to enshrine in their policies commitments to free speech that are essentially aligned with First Amendment standards. Uh, so, it, so when they do that, it is relevant what the First Amendment has to say about what speech is protected. Um, and unfortunately, many of these schools will also have certain policies in their code of conduct that are inconsistent with the commitment to free speech. Uh, and they shouldn't do that, right? If you're, if you're gonna commit to free speech, then, then you should commit to free speech. Mm -hmm. That's what students and faculty are really gonna expect that they have broad freedom to speak, especially on issues of public concern like the Israel-Palestinian conflict. We have a, uh, a wonderful university president here at Oakland University, Ora Peskovitz, who uh, said, look, I, as a Jewish American, I was, I felt attacked by those that were chanting from the river to the sea. Uh, and she said, look, she has four principles, but one of them is, is that, that you do have a right to free speech, even if it is highly offensive, but it cannot be harassing or threatening. And, and you know, I, I think the question is for all of us, Aaron, is where is that line? And it seems to be so so fuzzy. I know that FIRE not only advocates, but you also consult with universities on how to draft these policies. So how do we protect those from not feeling threatened while protecting the rights of those who want to justifiably criticize and exercise their First Amendment right? Yeah, universities absolutely can and should both protect students' right to free speech and their right to learn free from threats and harassment. And fortunately, the law already, you know, there, there's a, a long, um, well-developed body of case law that, that provides very helpful standards for determining when speech crosses the line into unprotected 
speech or conduct. So colleges should punish unprotected speech and conduct like violence and actual threats of violence. Like, for example, we saw at Cornell where there was a student who was literally threatening to shoot Jews on campus in a kosher dining hall, right? And he was, he was rightly arrested by the police. Um, we've had, you know, examples of students shouting down speakers or blocking entrances to entrances buildings. That's not protected conduct, and, and the universities uh, don't have to tolerate that. Um, and then, yeah, harassment, right? So har the harassment standard, though, is necessarily a high bar, and, and the Supreme Court defined that in a 1999 case. Um, you're talking about a pattern of targeted, extreme, unwanted conduct that uh, denies a student the access, equal access to their education. And, and schools shouldn't tolerate that either. But there's also a danger in expanding the definition of harassment to cover speech that merely causes offense or discomfort. Uh, you know, I can cite you a million cases from fires history mm -hmm. uh, that show the danger of an overbroad application of harassment. For instance, there, we had a case at Emerson College uh, a couple of years ago where conservative students were um, punished for handing out stickers that said China kind of sus that were intended, they were critical of the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, but the, they were accused of anti-Asian hate and, and uh, the group was disbanded under a bias policy. So it's really important to protect students from actual harassment, but not expand the definition of harassment so much that it's protecting right. students even from having to hear a speech that makes them uncomfortable. But within the context of genocide, which is what mm -hmm. the Congresswoman Elise Stefanik was pointing out there, and we only have 60 seconds left, she said the answer was, well, context matters. I can't imagine any context where calling for genocide of Jews wouldn't be harassment. Can you? So, well, the thing with that is that Look at the examples that she used when she was talking about calls for genocide. It was, it was things like students counting intifada or from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And some people, you know, people sharply disagree about whether or not that speech is a call for genocide. Right? Some people think it is a call for genocide of Israeli Jews. Others hear a, a call for Palestinian liberation from the Israeli government. And that's why a, a, a ban on abstract calls for genocide, even when they're not in context, threats directed at, at a particular individual or incitement uh, is a recipe for arbitrary censorship and would end up cramping debate on important issues. Yeah. So although, you know, on its face, it seems like a, a wise policy, the way that it would be applied in practice by, by administrators with their own political biases would, would really, I think, be a disaster for free speech. Aaron Terr is with FIRE. This is uh, a, a free speech group that tries to inject some reasonableness into this and also calls out those that engage in double standards. Aaron, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. A number of dramas playing out on Capitol Hill. Hunter Biden is supposed to appear before the House Oversight Committee sometime around 930. If he doesn't, he could be in contempt of Congress. He agreed to appear, but he said he wanted to do it in public. Al, this was supposed to be a closed-door meeting. We'll see what happens there. Also, the whole question about whether or not uh, there will be some kind of a deal between uh, GOP senators and Democrats in the Senate over Ukraine funding. Uh, House GOP, Senate GOP members say, we need to remain in Mexico policy. We need to address our southern border as well as securing Ukraine's future, and we'll see how that plays out. But it's, it's not looking good. It looks like it may be January. Uh, in the meantime, we've got two very important individuals coming to speak to the Economic Club today. 
Um, former Governor Pat McCrory of North Carolina, former Governor Jay Nixon, Democrat of Missouri, will be at the Detroit Economic Club uh, along with those. They, he, one is the co-chair. The other is the project director of this No Labels Party, which has been around a while, more than one cycle. Uh, but they are gaining a lot of momentum. As most recent polls show 49% of Americans do not want a Biden-Trump rematch. And watching all of this as one of the most ardent supporters of the No Labels process uh, is Dave Trott, former congressman from Birmingham uh, and a good friend of this broadcast, sometimes uh, host. David, good morning. Morning, Guy. How are you? We're great. Well, the significance of this appearance and where we are with No Labels. Yesterday, Chris Sununu um, the New Hampshire governor uh, endorsed Nikki Haley. Where are we in terms of getting a face to the no labels party? Who will be the standard bearer and when will we find that out? Sure. That, that will be probably uh, first quarter of, uh, of next year, uh, sometime in March or April. The, the uh, ticket will be uh, chosen by the no labels delegates and, uh, and then it'll be off to the races. Dave, there is this uh, bipartisan uh, group, Citizens to Save Our Republic. Uh, they spent about $100,000 on ads basically saying that the no labels or even, you know, the third party other candidates, uh, you know, will get hasten uh, Donald Trump's return to the White House. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I think the no labels ticket, the polling data shows that there's only about 14 percent of the voters are. Uh, definitely for Biden, no matter what, and about 18 percent of the voters are for Trump, no matter what. So there's a, a vast majority, 60 plus percent of Americans who are open to a third party candidate and no labels ticket. And uh, so if the no labels ticket is able to win, you know, 40, 50, 60 percent in states, then they'll be uh, uh, winning in the Electoral College and they won't be a spoiler. They'll be uh, in contention to elect someone. Well, Dave, Fred Upton has come out and said if you put a Republican at the top of the ticket and a vice president Democrat, then they take the votes away from Trump. And maybe that's a pathway to get your no label candidate elected. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the thinking right now is it's a it's a bipartisan ticket. And, uh, you know, when I was in the House, I was in the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is part of the no labels effort. And, uh, you know, the, the, the at the end of the day. 70 percent, I think it's closer to 70 percent, Guy, you mentioned 49 percent. I think 70 percent of Americans are unhappy with the two choices, mm-hmm. and about 60 percent are open to a, a moderate, independent-type candidate. And, and really what Americans want to see and what they deserve is we need to solve problems. We need common-sense solutions on problems like immigration and gun safety and climate and our debt. And uh, both Biden and Trump, not only are they not capable of doing the job, but they're not at all interested in, in bipartisan solutions. For help different me, reasons. Help me with the timing of this, Dave, because if if you don't uh, anoint a standard bearer until mid-March or April, we'll be past the Super Tuesday primaries. And, and heck, a, a lot of people think that, you know, the, the Iowa and New Hampshire uh, events will 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 gain a lot of momentum for whoever comes out of them. So, I mean, are you worried that, that Trump and Biden will come out of both of those and Super Tuesday with so much momentum that you'll really be at a disadvantage once you do anoint somebody. Well, I think you're exactly right. I think after Super Tuesday, Biden and Trump are going to be the nominees, the presumptive nominees, and I am worried about that. And I think the no labels ticket coming out with their uh, unity ticket in in early spring, uh, first, there'll be so much earned media uh, that that they'll be relevant from day one because the the, the press and the media will be so interested in, in the third party uh, candidacy, especially when so many people are unhappy with the two choices. 
uh, and there'll be plenty of money funding it. There's some significant uh, uh, support b- uh, behind this effort. Uh, so I think they'll be relevant, and I think they'll be polling strong within the first week of the ticket being announced. Uh, it's going to be unlike any other presidential campaign where you have to spend years raising billions of dollars to put the infrastructure together. Uh, that This group will be relevant from day one, in part because Americans are looking for something different. Technically, if, if Nikki Haley is on the ballot in these early primary states and she picks up some delegates, is she disqualified from being a no-labels candidate? Yeah, that's a potential problem in some states. If they've won delegates in in uh, with one of the major two parties, they can't be on the ticket in some of the states. So uh, that's that'll be a problem for people like Nikki Haley. Um, you know, some of the people, uh, Sununu, uh, Hogan, um, uh, Manchin, they've all opted out of running. I'm not privy to the candidate selection process and, and not a delegate, but I, I, I wonder if that's part of the reason. Uh, Dave, let me switch a little bit. You know, the Republicans in the Congress um, have uh, many of them have said, listen, we're, we're just done because they're they were more focused on fundraising and, and, uh, and other things other than, you know, getting the work of the people done. Right. Right. Well, it, it's frustrating because, uh, you know, the, the, if you look at the typical member, Republican or Democrat, uh, they go home every weekend and they tell their constituents what they stopped from happening. And the reality is the cost of doing nothing on some of these problems facing our country is not nothing. And uh, fundraising is important because the the elections are so darn expensive. Mm -hmm. So I get that. But people need to be held accountable when they go home. What what problem did you solve? How did you improve uh, the situation on this issue or that issue? And and it's not being done. Uh, There's no bipartisan uh, ship. And, And unfortunately, the new speaker you know, he, he may be the most conservative conservative in the entire place. So the prospect, certainly for the balance of this Congress, of anything getting done is is little to nothing. And, you know, as evidence, you look at what's happening in Ukraine as we right. speak. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Are the Republicans, speaking of problems, they want to focus on the border, but the Ukraine funding is up in in the air because they want to tie everything together. Do you think that's the way to go? And are they asking for reasonable changes for a problem on our southern border? Well, I think they're. Uh, I think I think the, the the Republicans have missed the boat on on the abortion debate. I think the Democrats have missed the boat on the immigration debate. Hmm. Uh, and I think President Biden would be wise to work with the Republicans to get the funding package, $100 billion for Ukraine and Israel, and also work on securing our southern border. I think the Democrats have, have because of the progressives, are, are so influential within the party there. I think they're holding a good decision-making hostage in terms of securing our border. Most Americans expect that, want yeah. that, and the Democrats better wake up. Otherwise, they're going to miss miss an opportunity to 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 uh, uh, reclaim the House in 2024. Final minute here, but I mean, the, the Democrats have agreed to raise the standards for those seeking asylum, which could, could shrink those that are eligible. But Republicans are saying, look, we want mandatory detention for those that are filing for asylum. And we also want Remain in Mexico to be reinstated so that we're not housing them here to the tune of 5,000 new ones a day. Is that an unreasonable? Would you be able to support that? And yeah. and I would, do you think you could get Democratic colleagues to support that? Yeah, I'm not sure I could get too many Democratic colleagues. Probably only those in swing seats could support that policy. I would support that policy if I was in the House uh, because it's just common sense. You know, do you leave your house unlocked at night? Most Americans want the border secure, and they want an asylum process that 
uh, ensures that once the f person enters our country, we can find that person again. Uh, that's not an unreasonable ask. That's that just is common sense. And uh, so I think the Democrats should uh, capitulate on some of the uh, asks by the Republican majority in the House, uh, not only to get the funding done for our, our friends, but also uh, to, to improve the immigration situation, which is creating a lot of problems in our country. David, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. Uh, have a wonderful Christmas, will you? Thank you, Guy. My best to your family. Thank All you. All right. And uh, we'll, we'll see you there at the Detroit Economic Club. Again, uh, Pat McCrory, Jay Nixon, if you're a, a member of DEC, uh, you may want to go down there and listen to those guys if you're interested in alternatives uh, to the two party leaders that we have now. It is uh, 644 on News Talk 760. Uh, when we come back, it is one of the nicest presents we can give to children who must spend the holidays in the hospital. But it's also a feel-good gift to yourself, too. That's coming up at 649. Meantime, this week's S&P Global Mobility Minute with Stephanie Brindley is brought to you by Dana. Dana, people finding a better way. Through October 2023, according to S&P Global Mobility U.S. light vehicle registration data, total registrations of all sizes of pickup trucks has settled to about 17.7%. Retail share for pickups has also been declining throughout this year. The most recent peak for pickup truck share in the U.S. was in 2020, when share reached 20.1%, up from a low of 13.5% in the 2009 recession. Over the 23-year period from 2000 to 2022, pickup truck share has averaged about 16.8% annually. Among the things to watch for 2024 is where pickup share goes. This becomes even more important as automakers increase availability of EV pickups over the next two to three years. If the U.S. pickup truck market share settles closer to an historic average, we will be looking at a hyper-competitive space. Automakers will have two challenges. Retain loyalty of current gas engine pickup owners, as well as convincing some of them to shift to electric trucks. I'm Stephanie Brindley, and this has been an Automotive Minute with S&P Global Mobility, formerly IHS Market. Yeah, we're getting in the holiday mood around here, and we know that every night is a special night during this season at Royal Oak Beaumont Hospital, Corwell Health's Beaumont Hospital, uh, because it's Moonbeam for Sweet Dreams, and it's a chance for all of us to kind of share some love with kids that must spend the holiday season in the hospital. And tonight, tonight will be extra special. Uh, Charlotte Alex is director of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals at Beaumont Children's, and she joins us this morning to tell us why tonight would be a great night to head to Royal Oak and right there near uh, Woodward and 13 Miles. Charlotte, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're great. This is exciting. Tell us what will be happening tonight. We are inviting the entire Detroit community, the greater Detroit community, out to Beaumont Royal Oak to shine a light of hope up to the kids who are in the hospital tonight. Um, this is a special event because um, community members all across Michigan, including at uh, Helen DeVos Children's over in Grand Rapids, will be participating in this event. As you can imagine, the kids in the hospital can feel isolated and alone at this time during the holidays. And as a community, we want to shine a light of hope up to them to let them know they're not alone and that we care about them. And so we're inviting everyone to come out tonight to celebrate our Michigan Moonbeams for Sweet Dreams Night. Charlotte, this started back in 2017. What kind of feedback have you received from the parents of these young people that are in the hospital uh, after uh, the the um, shining of the light into the into the rooms? 
you know, the parents are so grateful and the children are too. Um, they say that the kids really look forward to this event every evening. This takes place at 8 p.m., which is bedtime at Beaumont Children's. And so the kids get ready. They speculate on how many people will be outside, how many lights they'll see. Um, we're talking about hundreds and so- potentially sometimes thousands of lights. <laughs> um, they, they love to see the lights come up, and they love to shine their lights down, saying, we're here. You know, we see your light, and we are um, overcoming our challenges. It's very, very special to the families and the kids. It's an absolutely magical night, whatever night you go. I'm, I'm, I've seen it from down below looking up. What's the view like from up looking down? <laughs> it is so spectacular. Um, the kids see literally like hundreds of lights. It's, uh, it's a great big area down at the Circle Drive on the east side of campus. And um, really all they can see is the lights. Um, it's it's just a special moment. Um, if anybody's interested to see what it's like, you can go on our site, beaumont.org slash moonbeams, and see a video of what it's like from both the, the ground floor, the ground outside, and where the kids are standing. Charlotte, um, first of all, thanks for, for the work that the Children's Miracle Network does at so many hospitals. I know that Moonbeams was disrupted during the pandemic, and it is now back in full force. Um, have you had the response from the public that you had pre-pandemic? Are, and, and are there some nights where maybe it's a little thin, and that would be a good night for those of us to program that into our holiday celebrations? You know, it's a great question, and we are so delighted to report that our Our Southeast Michigan community has rallied around these kids just as much or more as before the pandemic. And um, any night is a good night. We are running Moonbeams tonight through the 23rd. It actually started on uh, December 8th. But um, any night is great. Grab your family, your friends. It only takes a few minutes. We encourage our guests to arrive at campus by 730 and park and get in place. Um, Tonight we have the Detroit Country Day Youth Choir Mm. performing outside from 7.30 to 7.50 p.m. And Moonbeams takes place right at 8 p.m. We have our child life specialists out there and they're choreographing some fun activities for our light bearers. And it only takes a few minutes, five or ten minutes, and then you can head out with your family and enjoy an evening meal or, or different activities. But and can I say the forecast is, is going to be really favorable for it the is. next few nights. Yeah, it it's is. been really cold at times, but yeah. not tonight. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a really nice, mild night for everyone. Of course, we encourage warm clothing, uh, appropriate clothing for the weather. Um, and it will be a memorable experience for you and your loved ones. And Charlotte, uh, we want to remind people, bring flashlights and not a laser pointer or anything like that. That's correct. We just encourage a simple flashlight. You can even use your flashlight on your phone if you wish, but no uh, flashing lights or laser pointers, please. Okay. Well, Thank and, you, Charlotte. It's, I'm telling you, it's so magical. Get down there if you haven't. And it, as well, it's a gift to the children. I got to tell you, it's a great feel-good gift for yeah, yourself. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. It's, it's terrific. We did it on a Christmas night once, back when we still did it on Christmas night, and mm-hmm. it, it, it made our Christmas. 
Charlotte, thank you. Have just a wonderful, uh, give our love to those kids. We'll be out there. We're going to get our flashlights. We will. We're going to, we're digging in the battery drawer right now to get them (laughs) (laughs) to make sure they function. And we'll see you at Moonbeams for Sweet Dreams tonight in Royal Oak. And uh, can't wait to hear that choir. Thank you so much. We'll see you there. We sure will. Um, It's just, yeah. You know, I have a friend, a really good friend of mine. Her name's Jacqueline Thompson. She was a former pediatric cancer survivor who went to Beaumont, and she's big in this uh-huh. because she wants to give joy to kids who she knows the feeling. Yeah. She also does a toy drive. So maybe if you can't get out there, look up how to do a toy drive or give something to the kids if you can't go to Moonbeams. Yeah. Well, and a, a good friend of ours runs this thing called Bottomless Toy Chest because she went into the hospital with her child when they needed um, attention. And saw that there were no toys in the toy chest um, at at a number of the hospitals. Yeah. So she makes now what she calls the bottomless toy chest, which is so when a child goes, not only will they have something to play with, but they all even have something they can take back to their room and perhaps take home. Mm -hmm. And so that's another great charity that you can show that. But I'm telling you, it, it is the gift that keeps on I'm going to get choked. Up. I know. Yeah. I got a little teary-eyed. <laughs> you know me and kids. Gail and I, I don't think I've ever been as cold as I was that Christmas night. <laughs> no. Then we went out there, so. and it's, it's on my Facebook page. Yeah. Her cheeks have never been rosier than that <laughs> night, and it, it was beautiful. She was beautiful, It was, and it was kind of a romantic thing, too. It's very cool. When we come back, we'll get you caught up on the uh, headlines of the day, and Tim Wahlberg next. Good morning. It is December 13th, 2023. Mild day ahead. As we said, a great day. If you want to go to the Moonbeams for Sweet Dreams uh, Children's Network event at uh, Royal Oak Beaumont Hospital, Corwell, um, it's a great night to do it, and it will make everybody in your family feel good, too. Um, Big news coming out of Dubai at the COP28, the big climate summit uh, that was undertaken there, is that there has been agreement between 200 countries to dial back uh, their use of fossil fuels to transition away from fossil fuels. It was very cleverly and carefully worded. They're not calling for a total phase-out, which is what the more um, rabid climate activists had been demanding. Uh, And they're going to be congratulating themselves and saying that this is a big step forward. But in January of this year, China announced that it would be building 306 coal-fired power stations. That's almost one a day. (laughs) And so if if they want to come out of there congratulating themselves, uh, because you gave China a free pass, it's pretty meaningless. Nobody's up in arms about that. No. And while we will be undertaking at great expense uh, more reliance on renewables, and those are important steps to take and good on us, why are we giving everybody else, including our leading economic adversary, a free pass? And we'll be giving them a free pass, I think, until 2030. And uh, unclear what China intends to do after that. But until then, 70% of their emissions are going to come from coal, while ours are considerably less. And we've actually reduced our emissions 5%. Um, good questions to be asking if anybody in your sphere wants to say this is a big step forward. Uh, not so much. Um, we uh, we know that uh, Jennifer and James Crumley will be going on trial in mm-hmm. the new year. And when they do, uh, they have at least one small 
victory. Yeah, uh, a judge agreed to exclude certain evidence from this upcoming trial of Jennifer Crumbly related to the Oxford High School shooting. Now, ahead of the trial, Jennifer Crumbly's attorneys filed a motion arguing against the bird evidence. That's related to her son torturing and killing birds and keeping a bird's head in a jar. In a motion, uh, Crumbly's attorneys wrote that the shooter intentionally hid the birds from his parents. And it's so extremely disgusting, sickening, and appalling that its admission would certainly inflame the passions of the jury. Well, Judge Cheryl Matthews agreed to exclude the evidence. Also excluded from Crumbly's trial is her alleged affair, the shooter's Nazi coin, the messiness of their home, the presence of marijuana and alcohol in the home, and the shooter's multiple Instagram accounts that Crumbly did not follow. However... The court is allowing evidence of the shooter playing violent video games to be used in her trial, as well as money and time spent on horseback riding. Matthews ruled that the use of drugs when the shooter accessed the gun or at the time of the shooting was excluded unless it could be tied to neglect by Crumbly. Crumbly and her husband, James, facing involuntary manslaughter. The parents granted separate trials back in November. Those trials get set uh, to go in January, guys. Uh, you, you raised the issue of, of drinking and drug use. Uh, interesting story in the free press yesterday. The federal government wants all of us uh, to answer this question. What are you willing to tolerate in your car to curb drunk driving? There is a mandate that uh, they're going to undertake rulemaking by 2024, and they're asking the public's input on this. Uh, the, in, in the future, uh, if there, what, what kind of mandatory system should be in every car to make sure that you're not driving drunk? Will you blow into a tube, for instance, before starting your car? I think a lot of people are going to have a problem with that. But yeah. if it protects you on the road? 13,000 people dying from alcohol-related traffic accidents and the number of loved ones and children right. injured in these You know, crashes. and those convicted of drunk driving, a lot of times they have that as part of their deal. You know, they have to... Going forward, yeah. Yeah, they have to uh, blow into a tube to start the car or whatever. That, But if you're a person who doesn't drink and you, you haven't had that issue, should I want to have that in my car if I'm not a drinker? And they admit that this these driver alcohol detection systems, um, it could be touch sensors, it could be breath sensors... There are going to be false positives, mm-hmm. right? So it's what is the and then level? are you stranded? Then, then you're then you're right. then you're stranded. So I just um, uh, you know had some onions and I got some uh, listerine and switched. Yeah, we didn't want to you tell know. you, Lloyd, but you know uh, <laughs> you were fa- that's a you, different issue. <laughs> your morning regimen, you <laughs> failed our test. <laughs> a little halitosis there. Right. <laughs> no, I, you know, and here's here's uh, you know I, I I've lost count of how many drunk driving accidents I've covered and how oh. many. Kids I've seen pulled out of cars. Absolutely. Yeah, and how horrific it is, it and is. how the, <laughs> there's no personal responsibility. So if this saves some lives, is it worth it? And that's and that's the, the really key question. What I would like to see there are passive systems which can tell whether or not, and this would get to drunk driving as well, whether or not people are paying attention, or whether they're looking at their dog on cell phone. Right. I think that kind of a system that passively looks at your eyes mm-hmm. and will send out warning signs and ultimately shut you down. If you can't keep your eyes on the road or your head, your chin off your chest, that that yeah. will that to me yeah. would be a more acceptable way of doing it. We'll see what what happens.
uh, in the transportation department. Oh. Um, we know there's a lot of folks in our audience uh, that their go-to flight when they're doing business in Europe is this Detroit to Amsterdam route. And boy, was this was the flight from hell. I, I think this is a, a really funny story, at least reading it, not being a part of part it. Of it yeah. Hundreds of airline passengers coming to Detroit from Amsterdam on Sunday night were diverted and had to spend the night in Canadian military barracks. After the Air, Delta Airlines jet experienced mechanical issues, it had 270 passengers on, three pilots, seven flight attendants. They made a detour to Happy Valley Goose Bay in Newfoundland out of abundance of caution. Uh, they had reported problems of de-icing equipment, and so that's why they did the diverting. The FAA will investigate, but because of times that the crew had been working, weather and runway conditions, they had to spend the night. And so they were well, in the these- crew they sent to replace the crew timed out. Right. So there are all these issues. You've been there where it compounds one mm-hmm. after the other. Yeah. So these people went to this very bare bones military barracks, spent the night. The food wasn't great. I mean, it's really there not no ideal. Hotels. They were safe. No rooms yes. at the end. Thank goodness. It, it so, handled it appropriately yeah. on every level, but it was really unfortunate what they went through and that the crew that they sent, they, they didn't send two crews so that they could have had a, you know. It's a small more, place, Lloyd. Okay. That airport has an average of 160,000 passengers a year. So it's, wow. it's, it's so small. Tiny, okay. Uh, quickly before we get to business beat, um, from the you can't fix stupid department. A woman in Wisconsin went in for an MRI. She was told she couldn't have any metal. Nevertheless, she brought a pistol into the MRI room. Is that metal? Yeah. Oh, okay. Kind of. Oh. <laughs> so was the projectile that shot out uh. of that device. And as Forrest Gump would say, she was shot in the buttocks. Yes. <laughs> so note to self, don't carry concealed when you go into the into MRI. Into the machinery. Yeah. Time for WGR's Business Beat. Here's Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of Startup Nation, to spotlight the entrepreneurial tech and startup community here on WJR. Morning, Jeff. Good morning, Guy. For those of us who are parents to teenage kids, most of us find ourselves constantly battling with the challenge of losing our kids to social media. And now a new report from Pew Research Center, Teen Social Media and Technology 2023, makes clear that almost half of U.S. teens are using social media as they put it, almost constantly. Specifics from the report are as follows. First, while almost all teens have equal access to smartphones now, over half of Hispanic, 55%, and black, 54% teens are using the Internet almost constantly compared to 38% of white teens. 66% of teen girls use Instagram, as they put it, almost constantly, as they do TikTok as well. Teen boys, however... They're more likely to use Twitch or Discord. Now, it's YouTube, however, that reigns supreme amongst teens, with roughly 90% of teens saying they use the video sharing platform almost constantly. YouTube also ranked as the most visited social media app by teens as well. And how about this stat? Roughly 70% of teens are visiting YouTube every day. Of course, these statistics on social media usage by teens are relevant to the interests of businesses, especially those catering to a younger demographic. However, there's a more important point here, and that is the overwhelming and all-consuming nature of how social media has hijacked our kids' hearts and minds, certainly their attention, and have made this the world in which they now live. 
Of course, this has raised all sorts of mental health concerns about the potential threats social media is posing to kids. I'm Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of StartupNation.com, and that's today's business beat on the great voice of the Great Lakes, WJR. I want to tell you about a great family-owned window company that I've recently had the chance to get to know, Clarkson Window and Door. For over 36 years, Clarkson Window and Door has been providing hundreds of thousands of windows and doors to Michigan homes. Their windows are made to order. That means you control the design process from color, style, grids, and hardware. They work with North Star Windows, an American-owned company that designs windows that can stand up to the harshest winter conditions so they can handle all of our crazy Michigan weather. Clarkson Window and Doors installers are experts with decades of experience. They've worked at the company sometimes 30-plus years, and they never use subcontractors. So you always know who's in your house and who you're working with. There are never any high-pressure sales tactics, and they offer fair and honest pricing. Great financing options are available, too. And to top it off, all their windows come with a lifetime warranty. It's no surprise that Clarkson Window and Door is so highly recommended by WJR's home improvement experts, the Inside Outside Guys. Check out their reviews online and go see them at their design showroom. When it's time to replace your windows, make sure you call Clarkson Window and Door. Visit ClarksonWindow.com for more information or call 248-338-6781. That's 248-338-6781. In this holiday season, it is supposed to be peace, goodwill unto our neighbors, and yet we are seeing a horrific rise in anti-Semitic incidents. Now, I don't know if that means there's an actual rise in anti-Semitism or just what's happening in the Mideast has laid it bare, and it's bubbling to the surface more. Uh, but we saw a vile um, anti-Semitic piece of vandalism outside a local congressman's district office. And uh, it was it's b- both sad, frustrating, outrageous. Uh, and we wanted to touch base with him this morning. Representative Tim Wahlberg, uh, Republican of Tipton, joining us live. Uh, the minute I heard this, I know you're a pastor. I, I knew how deeply you must have been hurt by this. Well, it is hurtful, and good morning, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to all your listeners. Um, it is hurtful to think that um, after what we should have learned, and I think a lot of us in, in my generation at least uh, learned a lot about the history of the Holocaust and what went on there, and we always believed that that would never happen again, that would be so repugnant in our memories that nothing like this could be brought on. And then we see an, an, an atrocious attack on Israel, unprovoked, uh, a violation of ceasefire agreements with, with Hamas um, that was violated again and again, and this time taking innocent lies in atrocious ways and having seen the video, uh, 40 minutes of a video that just displays utter inhumanity uh, in, in ghoulish ways, and then to have people here in the United States rallying against Israel and for, in all, for all intents and purposes, the Iranian arm of Hamas, um, and then carrying it out on college campuses. Um, many of those students, thankfully, don't know what they're demonstrating about when they've been approached and asked what uh, from the river to the sea means. They, they really don't know, and when they find out, they say, oh, well, I didn't know that. But there are some, based upon 
uh, evil evil beliefs and desires are attempting to carry this on and so you know we have had several several actions uh, in our office this past week that have come directly as a result of support for and I'll call it what it is Hamas uh, not just Palestine and and Gaza uh, but really Hamas and uh, I hope I hope Soon we can get a handle on that. We get education to people, and they'll understand that there there is a, a history behind all of this that is ugly, uh, it is wrong, and the Jews have been the butt of it, um, and that has to stop. And, and Congressman, that was going to I'm going, it leads me right into what I was going to say about the the failure of higher education. Is there a failure? Because you got one in five Americans who think the Holocaust is is a myth, and you got even more who think it's been exaggerated. Absolutely. That's that's like letting it go on that uh, slavery wasn't a thing in America and uh, the Civil War wasn't fought. Um, it, it's crazy to think, but it, it goes beyond our, our higher education institutions. It goes all the way back to our K-12 system where these things aren't being taught. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and kids in ignorance are left uh, not knowing what ha- caused certain things to happen in history and that they actually did, and then there was an outcome and even wars that took place. So, yeah, at the higher education institutions, you know, I was a butt of, a butt of a, an ugly joke. Uh, I made it to Saturday Night Live, uh, my caricature at least, uh, relative to our education hearing last week where we had the three college uh, university presidents there who should have had the moral clarity to answer some questions very simply when asked if it was uh, genocide was something that should be allowed to be carried out in in verbiage on campus and they couldn't answer that question directly it was unbelievable to be there and listen and, and as, as i asked the, the president of harvard based upon your mm-hmm. uh, historic motto veritas meaning truth mm-hmm. Knowledge without truth doesn't work, and uh, that's what's taking place on your campus. Is is this something that you have a plan to to attack and change? No good answers came from that. So I hope this has brought a spotlight to an ugly underbelly of hate that goes on in our society as a result of ignorance that is being propagated and uh, by but some individuals at the highest levels of academia. Congressman, I was going to ask you then, how do we move forward? You were saying education, and part of the sign that was outside of your office linked to a conspiracy website. I mean, how do we move forward? Well, I think that we have to move forward by standing up, just like you're doing here. You're talking about it, and that's where the media can help. That's where politicians like myself can can help in our town hall meetings to discuss this. That's where we can encourage parents uh, who know the truth or have an inkling of it and want to go back and help their whole family to understand things like this, how we respond to hate in the world and how we look at it historically as well. I think it comes from not setting idly by, not being silent. Um, you know, I've, I've always thought in my position, uh, I'm, I'm not to be pugilistic, I'm not going to incite battles, but I also have to use my bully pulpit that's been given me by gracious privilege from from my constituents that when I have an opportunity to stand up and, and graciously say to people, you're wrong, and here's why, and let me explain what's going on. And I think 
all of us have to do that, especially when we get down to things of history that show that we had to come through a period of time to see the ugliness that developed. We beat it back. We beat it down. Don't ever let it resurrect itself again, uh, whether it's racism, whether it's anti-Semitism, uh, whether it's Islamophobia. Uh, none of that yeah. should be allowed to happen without us speaking up. Pastor, that was a pretty good sermon. Uh, it was. <laughs> I, I got to take an offering now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, amen, and thank you, Tim Wahlberg. Have a great day. Busy times in the Senate as they press towards the uh, the deadline for the holiday break, um, trying to get a deal done for Ukraine aid. Um, also, I, like so many, I'm sure they're confronted by this rising anti-Semitism and concerned about that. Our troops are getting attacked in the Middle East by Iranian proxies. A lot of stuff on the radar, literally and figuratively. And also making sure that Selfridge has a future going forward through the appropriations process. All of it. Uh, within the portfolio of our next guest, U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, Democrat of Michigan, joining us live this morning. Senator, hello. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Guy, Lloyd, Jamie, all of you. I so appreciate what you do. It's great to be with you. It's great to have you here. I know that the future of Selfridge is so front and center on so many plates. This is one of those parts where we, we seem to see uh, – uh, all of the all the party and the partisanship fall aside uh, and folks rowing in the same direction. And I know you and Senator Peters are uh, doing your best uh, to push the Senate Appropriations Committee in that direction as well. Absolutely. And let me just step back and say that the whole time I've been in the Senate with uh, Senator Carl Levin, when he was chairing uh, the Armed Services Committee for our whole delegation, Selfridge <clears throat> has always been a priority for us, not only Selfridge, but all of our assets. The Michigan National Guard is absolutely spectacular. The assets we have around Michigan, in fact, when I came in as the senior senator back in 2015, I, we did a two-day uh, trip with all of our delegation, uh, bipartisan delegation, both to Selfridge and up to uh, Camp Grayling, where we do Northern Strike and the most you know, incredible training missions for the United States as well as globally, Alpena Training Center, Battle Creek. So just to set the stage, um, <clears throat> this is something that I care deeply about that we all do. And as the Air Force continues to grow and change, we are in there always fighting for selfish. In fact, today the Senate will be voting on a, the national defense reauthorization that we do every year, and there's $100 million in new investments for uh, selfish. so we're glad to have it. I, I do have to say, <clears throat> I have to step back and say that while we've been working together on a bipartisan basis, our newest member who came in, uh, you know, I know you had John James on last week, and John ran against me for the Senate, ran against Gary for the Senate, and now he's in the House, and and is really, you know, acting as if nobody ever focused on selfish before he got there. Um, <clears throat> the truth is, we got to put aside campaigns are done, 
now we work together to actually get things done. And letters are important, but they're not sufficient. Just doing letters and press releases don't get it done. What gets it done is really looking at how we leverage what we have to get the Air Force's attention. I'll give you an example. Senator Peters and I held up the Secretary of the Air Force's confirmation last year, Frank Kendall, <clears throat> until we got a further commitment on Southridge, not only for a new refueling tanker, but to keep our A-10 uh, fighting mission going longer. So till 2027, we still need to do more. There's no question that we need to do more. I, I was with Secretary of the Air Force last night and talking about this and talking about we thought this new fighter, uh, the, the F-15EXs that's been talked about would be it. And now we know from Boeing they're not even going to be made and available to 2029. So now we got to go back again. You know, the, the um, Air Force is looking at remote flying, what they call it unmanned, now called uncrewed one of the five centers in the country is in Battle Creek. We need to be doing more there, more on cyber. So we're, we are looking at all of it. It is essential that we keep the jobs, we keep the talent, we keep the assets uh, for our national security at Southbridge and around the country. And frankly, I remember about 10 years ago, our, our uh, dear colleague John McCain tried to end the A-10s uh, from being built, and we kept them going probably 10 years beyond uh, you know, what the Air Force wanted just because we leaned in. So it's not new. It's incredibly important. The secretary, we demanded he come to Selfridge. He's come now a number of times. We've all been there together. Um, it's just really important that we be so, looking yeah. at all of our assets. Okay, Senator. So you definitely make that a priority. Good to know. Yeah. Um, if I, if you don't mind, I'd like to just ask you about Ukraine aid. I know that yeah. President Zelensky came <clears throat> and talked behind closed doors to all the senators. Do you think that moved the needle at all? And could possibly the Christmas break be moved a little to get this done? Jamie, I think it's incredibly important that we stay as long as possible, not only to get this done, but the other, there's a whole package that includes um, it's strengthening our own border, which I strongly support. Uh, we have uh, fentanyl coming in at the border. We have other issues there that we need to address. So we're working hard to get that put together. But Ukraine is essential. And the reality is that they are fighting a fight that with their own people, incredible bravery. Um, I know in talking to our own Ukrainian community in Michigan, you know, how their hearts grow every day, I mean, to what, what has happened there. And the reality is that if, if Putin wins there, then he goes next to countries, NATO countries, that, which pulls us in, us in with our troops. And it, this doesn't get better if Putin is able to succeed in Ukraine. So we all have a stake there. There's a whole package that's incredibly important. And yesterday, listening to him, it's, it's hard to listen to him and not just think about what they have been through the last two years and the incredible bravery. And he said, with or without us, they go, they're going to fight till the end, but they know without us uh, that, you know, they're, they, that Putin's going to probably take over Ukraine. And so, and why in the world would that be in our interest? So we need to stay to get this all done.
Senator, uh, we know that you're retiring uh, next year. There yes. are a lot of candidates uh, that are vying to succeed you. Have you made any decision on uh, an endorsement who you would like to see uh, succeed you? No, I have not. We have great people running. You know, uh, I've never endorsed in a Democratic primary, and so we'll let it play out. I wanted to announce early so that people could uh, think about it and and jump in, and uh, a number of people have done that. So we will let that play out. I can tell you I want somebody that's going to live and breathe Michigan, who knows Michigan. You know, I've lived here my whole life. And I see everything through the lens uh, of Michigan. And I want to make sure they understand manufacturing and agriculture and, you know, are are out there protecting our Great Lakes and our people. And, you know, it's it's um, what I'm concerned about is just making sure we got somebody who's all in on Michigan. Senator, before I let you go, and I'm so happy to hear you that you say that you you would like to see your colleagues stay longer to get this Ukraine deal done. It is about security for them, but also security for us at the southern border. What are you willing to accept to get it done? Could we and should we reinstitute (laughs) remain in Mexico and make sure that if they do apply for asylum, that they're not allowed to roam through the United States while that process is undertaken? We're allowing 5,000 a day in. This is something that needs to be tightened up for sure, and we need to be doing this uh, in a in a way that makes sense. I mean, some of this involves more uh, more staffing at the border, and when it comes to uh, illicit drugs, it's mm-hmm. more technical equipment. But remain in Mexico doesn't have, doesn't mean more staffing remain, for us. Well, actually, it, it it does in the sense of at the border, which we need to do. But I think there's a number of things. Having people apply in their home country, sure, which is important. Um, so there's a number of pieces that need to come together uh, to be able to uh, address what's happening. And frankly, if we had a high, higher standards in certain areas for people to come in, but then we're willing to give mm-hmm. work permits. I can tell you our farmers, which are appreciated, and others who are looking for you know, qualified workers as well. So it's, there's a number of things we need to do. Right. Our safety first. Well, our our safety first. We've got communities here in southeast Michigan scared to death because we've got Chilean transnational thieves that are invading homes at an astonishing rate. And that's a well, obviously, that's bad and we need to stop. it. Yeah, that's a a, but but it's a symptom of our of our border (laughs) failure. We thank you so much. Twelve months left. We're going to savor each and every one of them. <laughs> yes, uh, Senator the first Stabenow. woman elected to the United States Senate from Michigan. I yes. appreciate thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Merry, have, have Merry a Christmas. Holiday with your family. You okay. as well. You too. And we look forward to future conversations. 745 on News Talk 760. When we come back, speaking of the border, it's just not building a wall. It's building a virtual wall with AI's help. How AI can make us safer at the border. Next on JR Morning, coming up at 749. Now, we know that it's it's important that you be comfortable in your home when the bitter temperatures hit, but it's also important that your furnace is safe. Um, making sure that a furnace is well-maintained not only prolongs the life of the unit, makes it more efficient, saves you money, but it also makes your family safer. We don't want to see any headlines about carbon monoxide leaks taking the lives of our neighbors and family members, or fire incidents. For 75 years, the Corian family at CNC Heating and Air Conditioning has been making sure that your family is not only comfortable, 
but that you're safe as well by inspecting furnaces and making sure that they live up to their expectations. It's why they're referred so passionately by our WJR Inside Outside guys. CNC Heating and Air Conditioning, they want you warm, they want you cozy, but they also want you safe during the cold weather months. So get that furnace tune-up. Put it on your radar. And also, if you need more than that, you can take advantage of the Carrier Cool Cash Savings Promotion that's out there right now for new Carrier Furnaces. Call CNC Heating and Air Conditioning. 800 My Furnace. That's 800 693 8762. Get a free 21 point survey. Find out exactly what you need. And then you can get installation of that new system tomorrow. Yeah, they're that good. Visit cncheat.com. That's cncheat.com. Carrier, turn to the experts. Good conversation with both uh, Senator Stabenow and Tim Wahlberg, uh, representative from Monroe County area about securing our nation's southern border. And when you think of a border wall, most of it thinks of a physical barrier, concrete, steel, bollards, wire. Well, there's more to it than that. In fact, there are virtual walls that could be even just as effective, if not more so, because you can extend that wall out further and get an early warning of intrusions. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne joining us live with details on that. You aren't currently surveilling us, are you? No, I'm not, Guy. (laughs) But we have some ideas on how to do that now. The government is already building this virtual wall, by the way. These uh, are hundreds of high-tech surveillance towers, which in some cases use artificial intelligence. There are about 300 different types of these surveillance towers, which sit on public, private, and tribal land, strung from California to the tip of Texas. They contain 360-degree pan radars and sensors that can scan for miles around. The towers are outfitted with AI software that can distinguish people from animals and are programmed to block off sections of surveillance areas like someone's house or maybe a private ranch. Images are then fed back to the Border Patrol. They can easily deploy agents to the area if there's a problem. The towers are also solar powered. They can be erected in a matter of hours, so they're easily moved from one place to another. But there are some concerns, as you can imagine. This new surveillance technology uh, has concerns over civil liberties. The Electronic Frontier Foundation monitors these civil liberties issues in the digital age. And they say it's not known if these towers are watching ordinary people, let's say, who are out for a hike or maybe a horseback ride. So, guys, in the future, we can watch for this technology to impact border security measures and that it will be part of our border security. Uh, Marie, do you, once they see them on this AI system, then what? <laughs> so, okay, if they see someone that might be trying to, uh, something uh, nefarious, either they're trying to get into the country illegally or maybe even something else, trying to smuggle drugs is another thing that they can use this for, then they deploy these agents right to that area because they can pinpoint it. They say, okay, this is where this is, and they can reach Uh, that area very quickly and then deal with the issue, whether it is an issue or not. So it saves personnel because you don't have to physically have people all over the place. And um, they're easier to use and more specific. That's what they're saying makes these more desirable. I don't know, Marie, you mentioned American Civil Liberties Union. I'm wondering how long is it going to take for this to end up in someone's courtroom? Yeah. 
Yeah, you 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 know, it's this is the new, um, this is the future. It is here, and so we will see what uh, happens here in the future. Um, again, they they claim that they don't put these to look into somebody's house. Let's say if it's near mm-hmm. a house, or you know, they say that that's not what they're after. They're after those wide expanses of uh, property where people can come into the country. Well, and you say, who who answers the call once you identify a threat? And I just saw one report that the Border Patrol says it's outnumbered by the migrants 200 to 1. Yeah. So the question is, will there be enough people right. to, to address these early warnings? How much of this might be solved with drones controlled by AI that could continue to track those people to buy a little more time and, and more information so that we can deploy our resources more effectively? Now, I understand they are using uh, or considering or using or testing uh, drones in this issue of border security. I do know that. Um, The issue that you mentioned about that they just don't have enough Border Patrol agents, that is a persistent problem. But they're thinking this actually will help use resources, those human resources, better, better deploy them into the areas that they need them rather than just surveilling an area that right. may not need surveilling for a period. Rather than patrolling around like yeah. neighborhood watch, yep. they can respond to actual intrusions. Targeted. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Targeted. Interesting. Um, I mean, you know, this is the coverage of AI has to be about, yes, there are concerns about its abuse and about, right. you know, the jobs it may take. But there's also a lot of really, really positive things uh, coming out of this as well. Marie, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Um, do you guys use Apple uh, CarPlay in your vehicles or Android Auto in, Android. in yours? Android, thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, Android. sometimes. But, but yes. You, do, do you yeah. find it workable? Yes. You think for it, me. Makes, it makes your use of your phone in your car a safer experience? Yes. yes, especially when you're like on vacation, you have a rental car, and you just plug your phone right in there to watch the map go. Yeah. Right, and it puts the map right up on the right vehicle the display. You don't right. have to look down or see it. It's within your field of vision. It's That's a right. much safer thing. GM caught a lot of backlash because they say they're going to get rid of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in its vehicles because they think they can do better. Um, from the tech community, a lot of folks said, the heck you can. <laughs> so now, according to Jalopnik, uh, which is it's an automotive website, GM is saying that it's dropping it because it considers those two things unsafe, that they are so glitchy and so buggy that they actually become more of a distraction than a reduction of a distraction device. I've never... That is not my experience. You know, mine either, and my brothers and sisters, you know, we talk about this and talk about this, the screens in the car. We haven't had any issues. They haven't brought it up. Well, and, you know, the thing is, is when it pops up in my car, it looks just like it does on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no learning curve on no. it, like right. every other interactive service <laughs> they give us in our cars, where, you know, you have to have the dealer show you how to get it done. Right. This is intuitive. So I'm not quite sure where they're coming from on this. I got to tell you, they're getting a lot of feedback saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're not buying it. We'll be back. I was pulling my hip and I was swinging away to sell the car, made contact with him. Um... As you know, I'm not one to apologize for things I meant to do, but I do apologize to you, sir. 
um, just to sell the file. And he was, as you can see, as I'm posting up, he's moving forward. So as I'm moving back, he's still coming forward. And um, like I said, it's unfortunate. I didn't, I, again, I apologize to Nurkic uh, <clears throat> because I, I hit him. So I do apologize to him, and I didn't intend to hit him. So I think you guys have known me long enough. If I intended to do something, I'm not apologizing for it. Um, but I did make contact with him, so I apologize because it wasn't my intention. We are ready to read the tea leaves between the lines, um, channel our inner psychic crystal ball, whatever. When Jay Powell, the uh, Fed chairman, speaks this afternoon, everybody's going to be watching. We're all sick to death of these high interest rates. We'd like to see cuts. And uh, with the CPI numbers yesterday showing that inflation is continuing to cool down, uh, perhaps we will hear from the Fed how much longer we'll have to uh, bear the weight of these higher interest rates. Uh, because while, you know, oil and gasoline are down more than 8% for the month of November, shelter was up more than 6%. Um, and a lot of that is because of the higher interest rates and debt service. Electricity was up 3.4%. So two major um, two major pieces for cost of living uh, still biting consumers hard. And in a chamber poll, that's one of the things that really is they uh, assess the the mood of Michigan voters in the Detroit Regional Chamber poll, uh, cost of goods, especially food, food and groceries, really nagging at consumers. It's just so obvious. It and is. it's something we do weekly, biweekly, whatever. And you know we're on top of it because we have to do it so yeah. often. Yeah. So. Um, and there's also a question is about whether or not we're still competitive in this state. It's interesting that a majority of people that they surveyed don't think that our education system makes us less competitive, which is a kind of a weird denial that I, I just don't quite understand, except I think it's a way of saying, hey, I, I get my property tax bill. I see what I'm paying in taxes for schools. And if you think that's the way you're <laughs> going to remedy our education problems, I got you got another thing coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of interesting uh, takeaways from this uh, Michigan residents poll. Uh, the other one, the UAW strike, not viewed as favorably as the UAW would have had us believe or the, the, the media would have had us believe. Uh, the poll uh, showed 33 uh, percent of those contacted viewed the outcome of a strike uh, as being positive. Uh 29% felt it would make uh, this companies more competitive, but more than a third said, no, nah. it's hurting the big three. And if you're hurting the big three, you're hurting the rest of us as well. So, uh, again, we'll watch and see what happens with Jay Powell this afternoon. But I, I would certainly like to spell relief interest rate cut. Mm-hmm. Same. Yes. Yeah. Meantime, I got to tell you that somebody's going to be looking at an inflated fine as Draymond Green. What is wrong with this man? Well, maybe another suspension, too, Guy. Two weeks after returning from a five-game suspension for putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold, uh, Draymond Green was seen with this wild swing at center Yusuf Nurkic. The playing question, if you Google it, it's like so obvious I mean, that he took he, a swing. Unless he was like doing ballerina stuff on the side or something, because it looked like he was doing a pirouette. 
Wait, he's doing it with his arms. <laughs> with his ex- arms flailing. Extended his wide. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Intentional flailing to make it look. I, this, you know what? He has indomitian suitis. He's a decent man when you talk to him off the court. He's a good guy. Something happens when he steps on the field of battle. Yeah, the competitiveness gets to a nastiness with mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. often because he just came back, as I said, and they're jostling in the third quarter when he sort of is flailing his arms, hits him across the face, Nurkic's face. It was called a foul, later upgraded to a flagrant two, and he does apologize, Guy, for it. Like I said, it's unfortunate. I didn't. Uh, again, I apologize to Nurkic uh, <clears throat> because I, I hit him. So I do apologize to him, because, and I didn't intend to hit him. So I think you guys have known me long enough. If I intended to do something, I'm not apologizing for it. Um, but I did make contact with him, so I apologize because it wasn't my intention. That's the most pathetic apology oh I've heard God. in a long time. <laughs> the ejection is Green's third of the season out of 15 games played. So he's been ejected from 20% of the games he's appeared in so far. So uh, yeah. he's going to be suspended. I, there needs to be an intervention there. A fine suspension. All of the, yeah. all of the above. I yeah. mean, if the league wants to curtail this from happening in the future, you've got to punish. Yeah. Look it up uh, for those that care. It's, it is an, it's intentional. Oh. You're just making it look like it's not yeah. intentional. If it were hockey, it would be fine. But yeah, we're not yeah. in hockey. And by the way, the Red Wings won last night 6-4 over the Blues, uh, breaking that three-game losing streak. So we could break a streak tonight. Yeah, you the could. Pistons, you could. Uh, we'll you see. Could. Yeah. Or you could lose your 21st. Yeah. Are you rubbing a rabbit's foot somewhere oh, to make man. that happen? Rabbit's foot, fingers crossed, <laughs> toes. <laughs> Shake that magic eight ball. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll hope for the best there because uh, it's it's just a sad circumstance for everybody involved out there. Meantime, well, they play the 76ers, guys, so maybe 21. Yeah, probably. Coming up. Probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, we, we are seeing some progress on the law enforcement front when it comes to the Samantha Wall murder. Yeah, the Detroit Police Department has submitted a warrant request to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office in connection with the murder investigation of Samantha Wall. The Prosecutor's Office confirming that they have uh, that warrant request and they're reviewing it. They're not speaking about it uh, any, more f- any further at this time. Wall uh, was found dead outside of her home the morning of October 21st in Detroit's Lafayette Park neighborhood. Police say she was stabbed. A suspect was taken into custody November 8th, but then was released two days later. A new person of interest was taken into custody this past Sunday. Detroit police releasing a statement saying, while this is a very promising step in the investigation, the process of moving from the warrant submission to the prosecution can be involved. So uh, they continue to ask for the community's patience in the matter while they proceed with the important work ahead. What really stuck out to me there was their continued um, insistence that the community at large wasn't at risk right. from this murderer that was still at large. Exactly. And I was curious as how you could make that claim. And it, it makes people think that, oh, well, maybe it was someone she knew or right. something like that. You know, But so this is a person from what we understand, this is a random person here. So how Which is it is they scary. can make that claim, Lloyd? Because under George Hunter's reporting in the Drake News, it seems to indicate that they had this man under surveillance constantly. Mm which is why they could make that statement, don't worry. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't that it, 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 that it was someone that she knew. It was that they were on him like, uh, like flies on yes. honey. Um, we, you know, they've continued to insist, too, that this wasn't anything anti-Semitic, and yet we, we saw yet another example of, of 
and again, I, I hesitate to say it's rising anti-Semitism. I think it's just something, it's bubbling to the surface because of what's happening in the Mideast. But this horrible cartoon that was put outside the district offices of Representative Tim Wahlberg, uh, Congressman, and, and basically, I mean, it's Uncle Sam, and when he takes off his hat, he's, he's wearing a, a, a head covering, which is common in the Jewish faith of the yarmulke. And it's just, it's, uh, and there were some, it, it tied to a conspiracy website, just the latest in a string of these things. We talked with Representative Wahlberg about it, and you can find that at thegreatvoice.com. In the meantime, uh, some deep divisions between the Israeli Prime Minister and the President of the United States in terms of what happens in Gaza after this war against Hamas is won, whenever that may be. Guy, President Biden is saying that Israel is losing um, the support and it would seem that he is correct because the 193-member U.N. General Assembly passed a resolution calling for a ceasefire with 153 countries voting in favor, 23 of those abstaining. Uh, the resolution, as we know, not binding, but it carries political weight and it reflects a global view on this war. The United States vetoed a similar call in the 15-member Security Council last week. And but that veto is overridden now with a three-quarter vote, right? Yeah. So, and if you're wondering who abstained, allies of the U.S. Britain abstained. Zelensky was just at the White House. Uh, Ukraine abstained. So that's where we're at with the U.N. And it shows that support is waning a little bit for what's going on in Gaza. And again, that's the constant media drumbeat as we see the, the suffering in, in, in Gaza and the sickness and the hunger and... Uh, all of that. Meantime, they're, they're trying to to finish off Hamas. Israel, this is a Wall Street Journal exclusive today, Israel has begun pumping the river and the sea into into the tunnels under Gaza to try to drive Hamas out as they store munitions there. They are trying to be careful and strategic about it because they also know that both American and Israeli hostages could be kept in those very tunnels that they're now flooding. When we come back at 819, the No Labels Party, two of the leaders of that group that want to give you an alternative to the uh, gentlemen the two parties are putting forth, Biden and Trump, that we look upon to some degree as presumptive nominees, want to give you an alternative. What is their strategy and who might their standard bearer be? We'll talk to Fred Upton coming up at 819. It is uh, mighty cold out there today. Clear, though, and sunny and while you get ready for winter in a variety of ways, you want to make sure that your furnace is ready, too. And not just because you want it to keep you comfortable and you want it to be efficient. You also want it to be safe. We've seen far too many headlines of families that are suffering because of carbon monoxide leaks and carbon monoxide poisoning. Also, there are incidents of fire when furnaces malfunction. You don't want that happen to you. So make sure that your furnace is ready, but also safe. And for 75 years, CNC Heating and Air Conditioning, under the guidance of the Corian family, have been delivering that safety to families just like yours. And they do it so well, they're referred by WJR's Inside Outside Guys. So by all means, you want to be warm, you want to be cozy, but you want to be safe too in these cold weather months. And that means getting your furnace tuned up by CNC Heating and Air Conditioning. And right now, if you need a new system, Carrier has its cool cash savings promotion out there, which also will save you money. Call CNC Heating and Air Conditioning at 800 My Furnace. That's 800 693 8762. You'll get a free 21 point comfort survey. Find out exactly what you need. And if it does call for installation of a new carrier heating and cooling system, you can get that tomorrow. <laughs> They're that good. 
They can survey today, install it tomorrow. CNCHeat.com is where you can go. CNCHeat.com. Carrier, turn to the experts. Two important visitors coming to the Detroit Economic Club today. Uh, Former Governor Jay Nixon, Democrat of Missouri. uh, Former Governor Pat McCrory, Republican of North Carolina. A bipartisan uh, partnership there, all to promote the No Labels Party, this alternative to the respective Democrat and Republican parties. But it's those of those parties joining together to try to say, uh, for those of you which would number anywhere from 50 percent to 70 percent who say we don't want a rematch of Biden-Trump, um, they're going to give you an alternative. And one of the leaders of that is our former congressman, Republican from St. Joseph, uh, former Congressman Fred Upton, who joins us live this morning. Fred, good morning. Well, good morning. And what a beautiful morning. I'm Isn't standing it at the top of the athletic club, uh, looking out over the stadium, wishing that Verlander was still a pitcher here. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he is. Uh, uh, but I, I'm looking over the city, and what a what a great sunrise. I spent the night in Ann Arbor, but we got a busy day today, and then I'm speaking to the uh, Michigan Political History Association tonight in Lansing. Uh, reflecting on my 36 years in the House. 36 wonderful years of which we are appreciative. Um, When you see uh, Governor McCrory, Governor Nixon come together, what's the significance of their address to the Economic Club this this afternoon? Well, my sense is that it's going to be like, are we not tired of this dysfunction in in Washington? I mean, good grief. And we see it, uh, you know, today. We see it this week in, in the Congress. They're not able to get anything done. And it's so partisan, so toxic that we need a change. And it's not, you know, it's not the system today. It's not working. So let's give voters a choice. And, of course, the idea is that we would have a Republican and a Democrat on the presidential ticket. Uh, Not necessarily what that order, but likely a Republican for president, a Democrat for vice president, uh, and reflect a unity ticket to say, Let's get things done. Let's work together, House and Senate. It's going to be a close election. We know that. It's going to be closely divided in the House and the Senate next year again for sure after the 24 election. But we don't need this dysfunction. You look at, I mean, border security. I mean, heck, <laughs> we, we, we've we known that we needed an alternative to what's going on uh, for a long, long time. Uh, you know, we can't even deal with the fires and in Hawaii from a year ago in terms of what this Congress has been able to do. They've passed 14 bills into law this year, 14. When I was chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee we uh, under President Obama for six years, I sent more than 200 bills uh, to, the pre- to Obama for him to sign into law mm-hmm. uh, on a whole variety of different topics. I mean, this Congress has just got nothing done. And you know, we know what the issues are, inflation, I mean, Israel, uh, Ukraine, here Zelensky comes again. I mean, the, 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 uh, Biden put in a request last October for assistance. Uh, Israel, we know that they're running out of, out of uh, ammunition there as well. They did an emergency order uh, this last week. But let's get something done. And, and to think that they're going to go home tomorrow for Christmas and not come back till, I don't know, the 8th or 9th of January, they're going to be off another three weeks without getting their stuff done? No. Uh, I, I said yesterday on MSNBC, the, the president ought to keep them here, uh, keep them there in Washington yeah. uh, and not let them go, go home till they get their work done. So, you know, it, it's time for a change. And I think if you had a 
Republican and a Democrat at the top of the ticket and give voters another choice. That's all we're, that we're trying uh, to do now. We're on 12 ballots, uh, and I think and we're in play in 27 states uh, right now. But the goal, of course, is to be on all 50 ballots uh, early in the second quarter. Fred, uh, the fear in many quarters, I mean, from Republican consultants to Democrats uh, of all stripes, uh, is that this no-labels third-party campaign, if it's carried out, that it's going to help elect Trump? Well, if you look at the numbers, and I've seen them, and we've polled uh, tens of thousands of households uh, since last spring, if you look in, you look at the numbers today, Trump wins. Trump head-to-head with Biden wins today. Uh, a poll that came out this week shows that Trump's ahead here in Michigan by 10 points. Biden won by three uh, in 20. Uh, Trump's ahead in Pennsylvania. Uh, if it's one-on-one, and uh, our numbers also show that if you had a bipartisan ticket, a unity ticket is what we'd like to call it, mm-hmm. uh, you we draw equally, in essence, from both sides. Uh, there's a lot of Republicans that don't want Trump, even though he's way ahead in the polls. Uh, there's a lot of Democrats that don't want Biden uh, for, uh, you know, you, you pick the reason. Uh, there, there's a lot of reasons that are out there. So, we're just trying to give voters the choice if we had a, a strong ticket of a Republican and a Democrat to try and shake up Washington a little bit and, and uh, force them to get some things done to address the nation's problems that have been unresolved now for the last three years. Um, logistically speaking, to name the candidate in March or April, is it too late? I mean, not not really, because you could be on the ballots in the states, but is it too late in the minds of voters? No, it's it's not. Remember, the, the national conventions don't happen until, of course, we know who they're going to be, Super Tuesday. That's in, in March. Uh, but the national Republican and Democratic conventions aren't until, uh, you know, July and August uh, this next year. But you'll remember Ross Perot. Uh, Ross Perot surprised the country, in essence, when he announced that he was going to run. I was actually on Air Force One with President Bush when, when he called. Uh, and he ended up getting on all 50 state ballots. He actually got up to 30%. Remember, he dropped out for a little while, and then, then he came back. But we're months ahead of where Perot was, and that was 30 years ago. I mean, we're already on 12 ballots, uh, some big states as well, and we're in play now in 27 states. Uh, and, you know, there, there's plenty of time to, to get on the on the ballot and then, in essence, turn this over. Uh, no Labels is not going to run the presidential campaign. We're just looking to get access on a ballot. So, and then those candidates will actually run the campaign. And in some states, you can't even apply to get on the ballot until you know who the candidate is. So which is we really why we've got to go, wait. but I got to ask you a question before, I, before we leave here. And that is Nikki Haley's the rising star. If you talk to disaffected Republicans. She seems to be the the one that they gravitate to the most. At some time, will no labels go to her and say, geez, Governor, we wish you would drop out so that you could run under our banner. Will that happen? That that could happen. Uh, But my sense is that Nikki will say, you know what, it's not in the cards this time since she's if she continues to stay behind, even though got a great endorsement from Sununu. Uh, But she may want to wait until 28. I mean, who knows? But, yeah, she I would have to believe that she could be in the mix. All right. Fred Upton, uh, big day at Detroit Economic Club. Uh, We'll look forward to uh, what the two governors have to say. And thanks for being with us. You bet. Always. 
whether it's a neighborhood get together or a, a, a Christmas party for a community group, I got to tell you, I've attended uh, a, a couple now where the leading topic of discussion are these home break ins in and around suburban Detroit. And it has got people really vexed. Then we have this news conference by the attorney general uh, talking about arrests. And for some that may have only been partially listening, they may have been left with the impression that this was an end to it. Well, that's not at all the case. The Oakland County Sheriff has formed a task force to face this threat down. And Mike Bouchard joins us live this morning. Hello, Sheriff. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I got to tell you, I was a little peeved at at the AG for holding this news conference because I think it was a little bit misleading. Uh, They talked about the arrests, but the the arrests that she was talking about are are not the ones that are currently at work. No, no. In fact, uh, you know, we appreciate the charges and support from the AG's office on the individuals, but they've been in custody for months on other charges. And we've been, you know, um, working on other crews that are hitting our area. So, you know, we've we've already got now that makes us seven individuals from Chile that have committed crimes in Oakland County, um, four for armed robbery of jewelry stores, and now these three for uh, burglaries, high-end burglaries. But people are hammering us still because there's, uh, by intelligence estimates, up to 100 crews of four to six people that are operating at any given time in the country that have come from Chile and are moving constantly throughout the country, hammering very high-end communities. In fact, we are investigating, uh, appears to be another one last night. Sheriff, so are they coming in illegally? They're using visas? What? How are they getting here? Yeah, so the intelligence and the actual people that have been arrested have pretty much determined they're coming one of two ways, either illegally across the southern border or violating the VWP, the Visa Waiver Program. Chile is uh, a country that is allowed to use a VWP, but they're not fully complying with the information and the kinds of sharing of stuff that that it comes with that program. And we have asked the the administration to close the VWP to Chile uh, until they get a handle on this, because if you look at it, that still would allow people to come here from Chile. They just have to get a visa, which comes with a higher level of scrutiny rather than an online application. Mm-hmm. All seven of the people that we now have charged for committing crimes in Oakland County from Chile violated the VWP. Mm. Uh, Sheriff, according to your statement, you said that different teams are continuing to traumatize residents and you urge residents to remain vigilant. What does that mean? What can people do? Well, look out for each other. Look out in the neighborhood. You're more likely to recognize a car that doesn't belong there or something suspicious than we are, even if we're patrolling that neighborhood. So don't be afraid to call in if you see something like that or somebody cutting through a neighborhood, um, somebody doing something that looks a bit off. You know, they do a lot of pre-surveillance on some of these homes to get a pattern of life, see when you're coming and going and things like that. If you see something, call your local police department because we'd rather check out 100 nothings and miss one real deal. Hey, can I say and, call call them first? I, I, I've heard reports that neighbors have seen things that they thought were suspicious and then after the fact said, well, I called my neighbor to let him know there was this weird car out there. Well, that's fine, but you didn't yeah. call both the people that could do something about it and check it out. Yeah, definitely call us first. And um, also, if you've got alarm systems, use them, check them, make sure they're up to date. 
have them layered, including, uh, if you can, hardwired internal motion detectors on every floor. Um, if you have cameras, make sure they're on and working. All of those kinds of things, you know, it's like when you get in your car, if you don't put on your seatbelt, it yeah. can't protect you if you get in a crash. So you've got to get all these things working um, because the best chance for us to catch this is either somebody spots something in their neighborhoods or see something odd or an alarm goes off and, and response gets there quick enough to catch somebody in an area. But, Mike, are they defeating these security systems? And also, are you interacting with the security companies that provide home security? Because I got to tell you, I've talked to neighbors who say, yeah, when I when I called my blank blank security company, they said they hadn't heard about these break ins. Well, that's not very reassuring. So are they defeating these systems and are the security folks aware of it? Well, they they should be unless they've got their head under a cover um, because there's been so much attention to this. And. I can tell you everybody that's got a security company that's heard our message has been calling their people. And, you know, I have actually personally visited homes to help people and suggest things. And so I, I know it's out there. If they've got a company that hadn't heard of it, it may be a company that's not housed or does a lot of business in locally. Maybe it's a national company that's disconnected. I don't know. But yes, they do have systems that they have utilized to uh, impair and de- uh, defeat some alarm systems, jammers that primarily attack wireless capabilities. A lot of systems are wireless these days, or they have wireless components like uh, contacts or glass breaks, things like that. Well, so the security companies will say, but ours are cellular based, so that you're not, they'll say, oh yeah, ours are cellular based, so that shouldn't be a problem. But it's radio frequency that they use for the sensors to talk to the motherboard. Well, depending on the jammer and the sophistication, we've actually got intelligence from other burglaries in other parts of the country where it actually affected not only cellular, but also the police radios. Wow. Very sophisticated. These are not super cheap little jammers. And um, so that's why you also have to have redundancy in the way your alarm systems report. We Mm -hmm. suggest that you have a hardwired line that you have cellular and you have radio. So those three um, methodologies to get Thank that report you. of That's a burglary awesome. gets out too. And then also have an audible so that your neighbors can hear it. But of course, a lot of these big neighbor, uh, big neighborhood homes like this may be a little bit removed, but it's a good idea to have uh, an audible both inside and outside. Sheriff, did I hear you say there was another one uh, yesterday, last night, in same MO? That's what it looks like. We're investigating it right now. And the people are not home. The homeowners are not there, usually. The homeowner came home to discover it. That's how uh, oh, that's how we we're looking into this one right now. But it and very did, much appears to be them. Did they flee? And we, I mean, I got to tell you because there's so much fear out there. I was I heard some people talking, and they well, I heard at the fitness club that they said that she was taken to the kitchen with the baby and held hostage while they ransacked the home. Have those no. things happened or? Help help me with the the some of the fear mongering out there, or or, or maybe yeah. the just the, so the far we have had none of that kind of behavior. They've been very adverse to any kind of confrontation. If an alarm goes off, they've run. They've hit uh, homes, and when the glass breaks, somebody turns on a light and they've run. They've been completely adverse to confrontation. Now that doesn't mean that it couldn't escalate or this couldn't change. Mm -hmm. So we're not suggesting, hey, you know, nothing to worry about physically for your safety. We're just letting people know we have not seen any confrontation. There has been no hostage taking, none of that. 
I just have a light question. I did a story with you once where you were stopping drivers and they thought they were in big trouble and you gave away gift cards. Are you doing that this right. year? <laughs> we hope to. We okay. hope to. We had a special uh, a special Santa that donated uh, a nice chunk of money that allowed us to do that. So uh, that was super fun. That was so That's fun, fun to yeah. do. Because Jamie has been driving erratically, hoping that you hoping. would pull yeah. her over and uh, <laughs> give her I've a been gift card. Missing stop signs, but you're not getting me. I know. Well, I've been in a different part, but don't worry. I'll catch up. <laughs> okay, Santa. Uh, Sheriff, we, we thank you so much for, for uh, putting some good, calm, and, and also really strong information out there. We've got to keep our, our, our guard up. I will tell you one of the things I've done is in my neighborhoods, I'm I'm deviating the way I get to my house now to check the roads behind my house to see if there are any uh, unwanted cars uh, back there. And I think those are there's little things you can do in kind of a neighborhood watch sense. And we would hope that every neighbor would, you know, call you guys first. Yeah, that, that's a perfect choice there, guy, to, you know, just notice, to notice the cars idling, somebody's in it, or it's parked in a spot that, you know, especially in certain neighborhoods, people don't tend, typically park on a street you know, in and around those neighborhoods. Those kinds of things would be greatly helpful. All right. Take care, Sheriff. We appreciate the efforts and the task force, and we wish them the best. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. When we come back, have you guys noticed that on television, there seems to be a heck of a lot more profanity? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the question is, does it enhance? Does it make it more realistic? Does it make it grittier? Does it make it, is it necessarily better? There's an AI solution. Of course it is. If you want to sanitize what's coming over your television to make it maybe a little kinder and a little gentler, we'll tell you about it. Next on JR Morning, coming up at 849. We've got some tickets to give away to the Magic of Lights, the dazzling holiday display at Pine Knob Music Theater. Let me tell you, it is a feast the eyes the kids love it uh you pay one fee to get a car load in and uh, we'll have that for you Uh, we'll give away some tickets to that in just a few minutes uh some major breaking news on the automotive front tesla tesla sold almost five million vehicles in its existence and now it must recall more than two million of them models three s x and y any of them sold between 2012 and 2023 Uh, This appears to be a voluntary recall, but it's because the autopilot system may not have sufficient controls in place to keep people from doing dumb things, (laughs) like treating it like an autopilot system where it just drives the car car. without the benefit of you watching where you're going. And uh, too many, we've had 1,000 accidents, uh, several of them fatal, involving the autopilot system. Uh, Safety advocates have said that's a dumb name for it because you're promising something you can't deliver. Um, this idea that it can be fully autonomous. Um, it's very good, but it's not that good. And uh, so um, they are going to apparently do a software update. Uh, but if you've got a Tesla, you may want to bring it in so that that system can be updated. Two million. This is to satisfy a, a two-year ongoing uh, investigation. And uh, if you're looking that going what the bleep why are they doing that that's the bleeping dumbest idea i've ever heard of naming it autopilot <laughs> you'd be like a lot of the tv shows we're watching uh, now again yes have you so i had to laugh when they decided cbs during the strike decided to bring yellowstone to right its, the cbs platform the over the air platform mm-hmm. do you it, it had to be highly censored 
Yes. I mean, that's a show that when you brought this up, I was like, that show, just every other word. Yeah. Yes. In the first episode along, alone, there were 24 F-bombs and 14 S-bombs. And also breast exposure and some nudity below the waist <laughs> okay. as well. All righty. Um, so, but the, the question is, and someone asked, is it getting worse? Is this just kind of this tsunami of profanity? Uh, is it worse than it has been in past years? There is a group that is using AI, and they're doing it for our benefit, for those of us that would like to be able to watch these shows that stream without hearing all of that. They use AI to identify crude language and programming. The group is called EnjoyMoviesYourWay.com, and it's an app that will actually filter what you're watching. Uh, they, they, they send thousands of titles through it. They've scanned 60,000 movies and TV shows since 1985. And uh, they take the, the, the naughtiness out. So it's a curse catcher. It is a gag. It's yeah. a filter. It's a, it's a curse filter. <laughs> okay. There's a lot to these numbers going up. One, it, it's all streaming. And so you're not reliant on the FCC. So right. there's going to be more swearing. Right. And also, also, there's just the cable. sheer number of shows out there. Yeah, on cable, too. Because when you watch uh, Bill Maher, you know, they just let anything go. <laughs> they say yeah. all kind of things on HBO. That's HBO, though. And, yeah, I, I guess the succession finale had uh, oh, 235 yes. in one episode. <laughs> the question is, is that the way the people that you know talk? Is that bringing the realism of what we encounter every day to the screen? Is it holding up a mirror to our behavior? Or is it glorifying it and uh, exploiting it for entertainment purposes? Is it gratuitous? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. But I think it's exploiting as well because I think uh, they just feel that it makes their program a little cooler if you use these cuss edgier. words. Because, yeah, a little edgy. Why aren't we edgy? Know? And, yeah. yeah, because, you know, we know you guys curse out there and you say these words. And so we'll, we'll put it in in our TV show, just to make you make you feel good. It's gotten to the point, though, that those words, at once upon a time when maybe you were really angry or something, you right. used them for effect to drive home a point. When every other word yeah. in the conversation or the dialogue that you're seeing on screen becomes that, it no longer shocks. You become right. uh, immune to it to a degree, desensitized, kind of I, like violence. My daughter's learning to talk right now. I don't want her to say those words. So I try and keep her away from it <laughs> yeah. as much as I can. Well, I just... there is an app for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and so, you know, it, again, another example where AI is working to our benefit. But it's called enjoymoviesyourway.com. And uh, that's something that maybe you want to want to think about. But they, they've got a bar graph there. <laughs> and they base it's it on the, on the naughty word. And of course, you got your dams and hells, but then yeah. they've got the, the stronger <laughs> stuff. And and boy, uh, the the f bomb is now the word of choice, apparently. And s it, too. Well, it yeah. says the f word went from five hundred and eleven to nineteen eighty five to twenty two thousand one hundred seventy seven <laughs> through early November of this year. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about holiday stuff, and we're we'll going to turn it around. So if, if you're looking for something that is expletive-free, <laughs> a feast of, for visual uh, holiday enjoyment, it's happening right now at the Pine Knob Music Theater. It's called Magic of Lights. It is a dazzling 
drive through light display. And if you're caller number nine right now at 1-800-859-0WJR, 1-800-859-0957, we will give you a weekday vehicle pass to the magic of lights. You can use it anytime now, uh, between now and December 30th. I've got to tell you, you know, they've, they've got the, the, the holiday stuff, but then they've also got some cartoon stuff. They had some dinosaurs. We took the grandkids through it. They thought it was terrific. And um, it, it's, I used to do this in Pittsburgh. Same kind of deal. It's uh-huh. really fun to get in the car and look at all the lights. Sure. Yeah. And by the way, we also want to remind you that tonight is a very special night at Corwell Beaumont Royal yes. Oak. It's Moonbeams for Sweet Dreams. Uh, but this is in conjunction with the uh, Children's Miracle Network. A lot of special stuff happening tonight between 7.30 and 7.50. Detroit Country Day Youth Choir is going to perform. Uh, there's a, a whole lighting ceremony, obviously, but it all makes kids that are in the hospital for the holidays feel a lot better. Great way to show your love, and uh, you'll love it, too. Take care. All talk is next. We'll see you tomorrow.